Okay, so let's begin. We can put our fancy books to the side. So first of all, as I said, part of the reason we're doing Kibbutz Aim is because Emma wants to do it. But also, I got excited because there's this book over here called Bina B'svarim. Bina B'svarim is written by Rabbi Daniel Feldman from Tinek, my Rebbe, and it's all on the topic of Kibbutz Aim. So I figured we have what better than to learn his Wait, safer. He's my Rebbe. Now he's Roshiv and Wayu. Okay, so here's the question, the opening question, and that is, Kibbutz Aim is a very important mitzvah. It's so important, as we know, it makes it into the Asaras Adivros. Right? It makes it into Asaras Adivros. It's up there with the other big mitzvahs, but more than that, if you look in the, uh, if you look in the way the Rambam prefaces, in the introduction to his laws of Kibbutz Aim, as we've known from the Rambam wrote the Yad HaZakah, a 14-volume work where he breaks down all of halacha into 14 volumes and then many subcategories, in Hilchas Mamrim, where he brings the, the laws of Kibbutz Aim, this is how he prefaces it. Kibbutz Aim, mitzvah asay, it's a positive command, gedola, of great importance. Now, there are many, many mitzvahs in the Torah, but for some reason, out of all the mitzvahs he decides to single out, Kibbutz Aim is what he calls mitzvah gedola, a great mitzvah. And you, we can read on in the Rambam, and I think this is going to be in the, uh, in, in the Torah booklet as well. It goes on, there's a mitzvah of kibbutz, there's a mitzvah of yira, one of honoring, one of fearing, two sides perhaps of, two ways of, of encountering God, one of yira, excuse me, of encountering our parents, there's a fear or awe or a reverence, and one of kibbutz honoring. Rabbi Salvechik points out, no one should be fearful of their parents. In a healthy relationship, no one's fearful of their parents, so yira must mean awe. A reverence. And if that's true, he says, so then when we get to the, the mitzvah, which we'll do in, on Sunday, in two or three weeks' time, of Yiras Hashem, so then it must not be in fear of God, but reverence and awe of God. There's a parallel there. Then, if you, that's one. Next, if you look in the Torah, the Torah is the, the basic and most, one of the most fundamental halachic svarim, out of which the Shulchan Aruch emerged. It was a precursor to the Shulchan Aruch. How does he preface Mitzvah's Kibbutz of Aim in, in Simon uh, 240, which is Reish, uh, Reish Mem? Mitzvah Asei, Shechavet Adam Avivimo. There's a positive command that every person should honor their father and their mother. The year of Nahum, but certainly Zahir Ma'od, Bekvodim Umorim. A person must be extra punctilious in the observance of Kibbutz of Aim. Again, what am I pointing out here is there are many, many mitzvahs in the Torah, and we should keep all the mitzvahs in the Torah. But for some reason, there's something that's different about Kibbutz of Aim that the, the everyone is prefacing in introducing this mitzvah. It's a mitzvah gedola, the extra lizahir. In fact, as we noted and we opened up with, out of all the mitzvahs, if I were to tell you choose mitzvahs to go in the Aseris Adibros, why we have Aseris Adibros is not the discussion for now. But let's just assume these ten commands. There's something about them that sets them apart than the rest of the commands, perhaps because there's something more important about them or because they are the source to many other commands. But for some reason, in every, almost every show in the world, not our show, we had, there's the, te- the Saras Adibros sitting up there in, on the, uh, on, on the Aron Kodesh, mimicking the Saras Adibros, the Ten Commands that were given to Moshe, written on tablets. And what makes it in there? Kavanah Zavichah Vesimecha. Honor one's parents, one's father, one's mother. More than that, and when you do so, it will lengthen your days. And you will, uh, and the days that you're on this earth will leave, will be lengthened. So again, there's seemingly 
something that sets keyword of aim apart. More than that, the, and I never thought of this till a lot of tonight's shear is coming from an article written by Michael Rosenzweig a number of years ago. You can all go on Why Torah and look it up, Kibbutz of Aim. The article, it's called it The Fulcrum of the Ten Commandments. It's not an easy article. It might take two or three or four reads to really grasp everything he's saying. But he points out as well, and again, I never thought of it this way. The, the Gemara tells us that whenever the Torah will list a mitzvah and then tell us the reward for the mitzvah, so Bezdin, the courts, will not enforce that mitzvah. Meaning to say, if the Torah says, honor one's parents and father one's mother because it, you will get the following benefit. Normally when it comes to a mitzvah, if someone does not want to fulfill it, so the courts can step in and say, fulfill it. And they can coerce to some extent. When it comes to a mitzvah, when the Torah promises a reward, the logic I always assume, which I think is the more prevalent idea, is because the Torah is telling you you're going to get this reward, we're specifying it, so okay, you want to opt out, that's your problem, you won't get arichas yamim. All right, your problem. Again, Yerichas Yom, and then also we know from elsewhere, it means not necessarily in this world, but in the world to come. But the point is that the Torah specifically says, here's a reward, you don't want it, it's not in Bezdin's jurisdiction. Ray Rosenzweig pointed out, perhaps this is another way of saying, it's so important, we can't even legislate it beyond what God says. It's so important that Bezdin's like, we're not touching it. This is, it's that important, we're going we're to let, let you deal, it's between you, and, it's between you and God, which is also funny, because... If we know anything about the Saras Dibros, there are ten of them. And if you look at the, uh, the, the picture I have here, they're broken into, into two columns. Anochi Hashem is on one side. Lo Yiyelacha, you shouldn't have another God. Lo Sisa, you shouldn't swear. Zachar, Shema Shabbos. What do those four have in common? Between man and God. And yet, put right there is Kabbalah Zavicha Vesimecha. Also, on the side of all the mitzvot that have to do with between man and God. I mean, Adon Lamakom is Kibbut Aim, whereas on the other side, the next side is, don't kill, don't steal, don't, 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 don't be jealous, etc. Between man and his fellow man. And the question is, so why would we put Kibbut Aim on the side of Adon Lamakom? It's clearly between me and my father and me and my mother. Now, maybe my father thinks he's God. I'm sorry, according. But, <laughs> I, but, but, but he's not. I'm sorry. And unless you think, oh, so maybe this breakdown that we have of two different sides, one being with Alamakam, but one being with Alam Lechavero, is something we just thought of as a nice of our Torah. The Ramban points out, this is on your source sheet as well, the Ramban points out, and yes, there, was, there, was, there, are, there are ten Dibros, ten utterances, Chamisha Bekabot Haborah, Chamisha Latovah Adam. Five for the honor of God, and five for the, for, for the goodness, the good of human beings. And it's so on and so forth. There are many. Everyone points out this this breakdown of five for God and five for for the for for mankind is a relevant breakdown. If that's true, so what is Kivut of Aim doing on the side of to man and God? So on the one hand, again, I think that that further militates towards this idea that there's a heightened level of the way in which we're approaching Kivut of Aim. It's not just another mitzvah. It's a mitzvah gedola, one you have to be extra careful about. But also, for some reason, which we don't know why yet, it's also stuck on the side that's between man and God. Like that, that's how much we're elevating it, beyond just a regular mitzvah between man and his fellow man. That's on one side. Any questions so far? Okay, so here's where it gets interesting. There is a concept in the Torah. Gemara Yavoma talks about this at length, but it shows up many times, called Asei Doche Losasei which means a positive command 
when it conflicts with a negative command, we go with the positive command and that will override the negative precept. The classic example would be there is a prohibition in the Torah to cut off saras. One is not allowed to cut off if there's a, if there's a blemish that's considered saras. Is sir, not allowed to cut it off. You're not allowed to cut it off. What if it's in the place where they're supposed to, with the Makam Hamila, you have to do a bris Mila? You could cut it off. What do you mean? Why do I cut it off? The answer is an say to do Mila versus the, the conflict here is Los say to cut off the Tsaras, we go with the say. Another example, which may be more relevant, is that, and this is perhaps where we learn it out from, Shatnas, right? Not a lot of wear wool and linen together. That we all know. What about if you have a wool, wool beged, a wool shirt, with four corners, and linen sitis? It's okay. What do you mean? You're wearing shotness. I say the command to put, for, to put sitis, strings on your four-corner garment, overrides the low say the, the, the negative precept of wearing shotness. This is a, this is a classic, uh, a, cla- a classic... You have another choice there, though. What do you say? So we don't do it nowadays, but that's because of we don't have techelas, and that's a whole other a whole other story. The Svardim do. In fact, when the rush, I don't know if we discussed this last year, when Rabbeinu Usher, who was Nashkenaz, when he had a fleet to land of, of the Svarad, so he, one of the first things he saw was they're all wearing linen sitzes, and he went crazy. He's like, "What are you doing? How can you do this?" And he starts writing letters, how crazy it is. They don't keep halacha, and everyone's like, "Calm down. This is Svardim land. They do things a little differently." And by the end of it, he uh, he realized. So we don't do it nowadays. But that's just for practical reasons, because we don't necessarily have the tzcheles, and we can't fulfill the mitzvah of tzitzes optimally. But if you were to... Is the mitzvah optimally to have linen? No, but it's not a problem. You can do it. It's not a problem. But you have, an, like, it's not the same, like, with the miwa, you have no choice. True. True. You have to cut there. True. Whereas here, you can wear wool. But then again, the, there's a command to wear tzitzes, and it's the asidoh say. I don't want to get so involved in the halosis part, except I found that the Ramban points out, what's the reason behind this? Why do we say Asei say? So he kind of makes it, says something very interesting. Like, you would think, perhaps, we're more scared of something negative. Negative, you get a punishment for. You don't do something positive, so you miss out in getting the reward. So if you're telling me uh, negative versus positive, you would think, intuitively, the negative wins. But he points out as follows, that negative often means you're refraining. You're not doing something. You're not cutting off the, the, the beharis, the, the tsaras. You're not wearing shotness. Whereas the positive, you're doing a uh, sakel, you're working for God. You're doing, something, you're t- doing an action that is on behalf of Hashem. You're working for Hashem, if you will. And because, therefore, you're doing an action, a positive action, and being proactive, doing something for God, that is strong enough to override the negative precept of whatever you weren't supposed to do, such as wearing the, wearing the, wearing the shanas. That's the logic, again, the internal logic, perhaps, in this asidokhalosase. Now, why are we discussing this? Mm-hmm. Why are we discussing asidokhalosase? It's a nice concept. It's fascinating. It's interesting. Because kibbutz of aim is an exception. Comes along the Gemara Nivomis, and the Gemara Nivomis is trying to figure out exactly the. It's actually a discussion about asidochalosis. Saying the Gemara says, if your father tells you to do something that goes against the Torah, you might think the ase, the command of listening to one's father, which we said is a mitzvah gadola, you should be extra punctilious about, and it's in the Aseret Dibros. You might think that we should override whatever negative command he did. If he tells you, let's say, to make tea for him on Chavez, you might think the assay of listening to your father should override the lowest assay of cooking on Chavez, Mishnayomi, comes along the Gemara and says, no. When it comes to assay do chalos assay, the exception is going to be kibbutz of the aim. Which is perplexing. 
Because if Kivar of Amos, we just built up, it's, like, it's this, this unbelievable mitzvah that we're, we're so careful about that you would think certainly it should push away a los essay if where Sitzit pushes away a los essay, which we didn't have this lofty language about, and Mila pushes away a los essay. There are many other places where a los essay can be pushed away, a negative command can be pushed away. So why out of all the things that would come to finally, like seemingly the mitzvah's essay, one of the most important ones, it kind of loses all its power. And it's not strong enough even to push away a los essay when all the other essays can. So this is the question that Rabbi Rosenzweig asks. It's a good question, no? Good question. Moreover, the Gemara then goes on and says, and this is again a couple of some evidence towards the, the towards towards the uh, perspective that Kibbutz of A might not be such a great mitzvah. At one point in this conversation, the Gemara says that Kibbutz of A isn't a regular assay, but actually it calls it a hechsher mitzvah, a preparatory mitzvah. Wait, who says the Gemara. Almost to sound like, what's a hechsher mitzvah for sukkah? I'll let quote in this case, building the sukkah, not a mitzvah. It's a Hechsher mitzvah, it prepares you for the mitzvah. I like quoting that because Yerushalmi says actually the mitzvah to build the sukkah. Tying your tzitzis is a hechsher mitzvah. It's not, a, it's not the actual act, but it's only a pre- preparation. What do you say? To wear this is that's the mitzvah. So much so that the Gemara says a hechsher mitzvah. Mila is a mitzvah. Hechsher mitzvah from Mila, sharpening the blade, making the blade. It's only preparation, therefore we're not, we don't push away Shabbos for the hechsher mitzvah of Mila. I mean, it's a machlokus in the Gemara, but we possibly don't do that. Hesher mitzvah, it's not a real mitzvah. We're not going to push away Shabbos. And at one point, the Gemara even seems to call Hebrew of Aim a Hesher mitzvah. Now, you might think the reason for that is, what are you going to say? To what? What's it a Hesher mitzvah? So, so, so it could be when the Gemara says it, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take this approach now, but I'll take a different approach in a few minutes. It could be that what the Gemara is saying is as follows. In the particular scenario we're discussing, when the Father says, go make me tea, because I want tea on Shabbos, the, make, the Gemara is trying to say that the, make, the making of the tea, the cooking of the tea, the brewing of the tea, that's just a hechsher mitzvah. You're, pre, you're preparing to do the mitzvah of serving your father. <laughs> Meaning your father doesn't care. If you can conjure tea you know, out of midair, I don't know, take a magic wand and say abracadabra, tea would, hot tea would emerge. So he has his tea, he's happy. Right? So the mitzvah is to, so, so the is to serve him. Listen. The mitzvah is to serve him. The action that you're going to do that's going to override, that's going to violate Shabbos, whatever other losis he tells you to do, Case the Gemara Well, it's a little more complicated case, but a father tells a Kohen, go into the cemetery and get me that, whatever, whatever's in the cemetery. Listen to your father or become tummy, right? The actual, he doesn't care how you get it, so the fact that you have to violate a precept, that's just the hexer part of it. But it's not the actual part of it. Whereas, seemingly, it would kind of seem to emerge in the Gemara, which is why I don't like this shot, that if your father were to tell you to do something, and the actual action that was a low saset was also the way you were serving him, then it wouldn't be a problem. Which, I, it's not true. If you think of it this way, that Kibbutz Avim is um, between man and God, alongside man and God, that's preparing, so that's really, you know, um, that's a relationship with, with Hashem. Okay. So we can say that it is preparing us, Kibbutz Avim is really preparing us for our preparation for dealing with God. Okay, so I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. Hold that thought. Are you ready for this? One, one more source, and then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to tie it together. Comes along the Rambam and says, let's say you want to be of the opinion. You're not so worried about Asay Dochel Osasay. It was an interesting question, Yossi, but like not the greatest question. <coughs> says the Rambam, it's not just a Losasay. The Asay of Kibbutz of Ain. And remember, every other assay, almost every other assay, when there's a, there's a direct clash, will push away a losase. 
Says the Rambam, Mishamalo Aviv Lawud al Divrei Torah. Bain Shamalo Lawud al Mitzvah Losasei. O Levat al Mitzvah Asei, Afilo Shel Divrei If your father says, do a rabbinic prohibition, not the Raisa here, we still don't apply the, the concept, the principle of Asei Docha Losasei de Rabbanon. Now that really, I think, takes away the teeth from Kibbut Aviv. You have a positive command. The Torah says, and something the rabbis say. Who listens to rabbis? No, it's something the rabbis say. And even then, by the way, why do we do so? So the Gemara says, the Gemara points out, the, the, the logic of it is, because we say, Ish imov avitiro, you should fear one's mother and father, which, by the way, we'll discuss this, this in, in the subject of the next unit. God says, like, yeah, you're, you have to honor your parents, but your parents have to honor me. So you can't, you can't dishonor me if ultimately you're breaking, there's a break in the chain there. Meaning to say that when you honor your parents, yes, honor your parents, but if they tell you to do something that goes against me, well, they're obligated to honor me, so they, they, don't, have the, they don't have the power or authority to, to then say, dishonor me. But again, again, why would you have an assay of keep it of aim, not doche, osei de rabbanon? So the Kesev Mishnah, he tries to say as follows. Kesev Mishnah says something we discussed in, in the uh, Sunday morning share a couple weeks ago. He wants to argue that perhaps you can say, because the Rambam's of the opinion that really every assay, every command, every, every Durabanon is also a positive assay of, uh, of listening to the words of the Chaman, Losasr Medadavar. Right, we discussed it. So if you were in the Shir then, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't there, we're not going to get into that right now. The problem is as follows. While he does say that there, elsewhere, the Beis Yosef says it gives a different answer. What's the problem with that? Who was the Kesef Mishnah? Rabbi Yosef Cairo. Who was the Beis Yosef? Rabbi Yosef Cairo. Okay, fine. <laughs> I also, I thought, this is, this is, this is something that, um, another I, I thought perhaps one to say here, and then we'll, again, we'll wrap it up. Just two answers before we get to, I think, the, the better answer. The Nesivos is of the opinion, the Nesivos is of the opinion that the reason we listen to the Rabbanans is simply as a way of saying, is a, a, showing allegiance to the, the Rabbanan. It's not about the individual mitzvah, but it's about showing allegiance to the, the, the Rabbanan, which ultimately show, show allegiance to God. So, you could desire that as well. But again, I think the question is stronger. Why should this mitzvah's assay of Kibbut of Aim, which is a mitzvah gadol, a mitzvah we're extra careful about, a mitzvah in the Saras Adibros, a mitzvah so, so important in Saras Adibros, it's put on the side of an Adlam Makom, why should that not push away even a mitzvah de Rabbanon? And there are many more proofs I can bring on both sides. I'm not going to do that just for, just for um, the sake of, of time. But one of them may be coming up in a few weeks. We'll discuss perhaps in Adrasha. And that is, Kivit of Aim may have even been taught before we got the Torah. It may have been one of the things taught at Marah. As in, this, before we got the Torah, we leave, we leave the Amsaf, we're given three, four mitzvos. Kivit of Aim may have been one of them. So what's going on here? That's the question. So I think in order to understand and put this all together, what is Kivit of Aim? Is it the greatest mitzvah? Or is it so weak, it, we kind of, the second we could say something has to go, it's the first thing to go, we need to ask the following question, that is, what exactly is the nature of Kibbutz of Aim? Why, why did God command it? Why would God command it? It says the Sefer HaChinuch. Sefer HaChinuch is an anonymous work from the time of the Rishonim, written for his son, where he gives many of the reasons for the mitzvahs. And this is what he says, Mitzvah Kibbutz of Aim. L'chavod of Aim. It's a mitzvah to honor one's father or mother. Shinem, as the Pasuk says, Kavod is avicha v'simecha, honor thou father and thou mother. I, don't, I just put the thou in there to sound fancy. Uba Hifrish. Ezu covered what's considered covered, and we'll discuss this again more in the coming weeks. 
Again, different ways. You, you feed them, you drink them, you dress them, you bring them in, you take them out. All sorts of things you can do in order to, uh, to again, show them a, a proper accord, proper honor. Now, then listen to this. And what's the reason God commands this? So the Chinuch in all 613 mitzvah says, The root of this commandment, meaning the underlying, underpinning idea behind this commandment is as follows. The man, it's fitting for a person to acknowledge and return chesed and thanks for those who do some good. That don't be an ingrate. If someone does something good for you, you say thank you. Who did us the greatest good? Who did us the greatest good? Our parents who brought us into this world. Therefore, someone who's a novel, who's an ungrateful scoundrel. Someone, who's, someone who doesn't return, who's a kafli tov, doesn't know how to say thank you. It's a terrible medium. It's, it's repulsive before God. Being a kafli tov is a repulsive attribute before God. And therefore, he says, If your person realizes it, at the end of the day, what's the reason a person's in this world? There's only one reason. Because they had parents. And therefore, and therefore, came. But Emma's royal lasts lamb called covered the whole to Ulas Yoho. Ki hame have you lolum. Ki yagiobo, kami yagios, bekatatnu, the Kishkubozos, and me the Nashiyalam, and many lahaker, Tova Kalabarahush, who would see us, receive us, call of Osam, Altamarisham. She says two things. One is, why are we in this world our parents? And therefore, we are our parents everything. Not just the fact that they raised us and etc., but just the, the mere fact that they brought us into this world. And everything we have in this world, because our parents, we have to thank them. That's a midah. And he says more, similar to what Michael's saying, once you come to recognize what your parents did for you, then you recognize all the other good and realize, well, this whole world is only here because of HaKadosh Baruch, because of God. And you come then to be makir and recognize and thank and be grateful to Hashem Himself. So in a way, keep it of aim. Is, it's, I mean, the, 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 thr- the thrust of it is makir tov, being thankful, gratitude, gratitude to your, towards your parents, and ultimately a gratitude towards God. Okay, that is one of, that's one approach. One approach of Kibbutz Aim is about gratitude. This is probably one we've heard before. It's probably also why it's a very intuitive mitzvah. It could be why even non-Jews may be obligated in Kibbutz Aim, Because, again, it's, it's very intuitive. Someone did something good for you, you thank them. Who did the ultimate good? Your parents, you thank them. So that, that's, that's the Sefer Chinuch. However, it comes along the Sefer current, Rav Yosef Alba, and he gives a totally different approach. Not totally, a very different approach. To keep it of aim. So the Savior Karim is a book work called the Savior Karim, the, the book of fundamentals. He wanted to give oh, back when he was when he was writing this. There were a lot of ikuas, a lot of debates between the Christians and the Jews, and he set out to write a source book for the Jews to read so that they could have what to uh, learn, to have an opportunity to learn the proper approach, the proper philosophies of Judaism, so that when they enter into one of these debates, which weren't necessarily a debate they willingly entered into. But when they had to, when they were forced into one of these debates, they'd have the appropriate material and knowledge so they can debate effectively. Now, even when they debated effectively, such as the Ramban, the Ramban had a very famous Vikuach, he wins and he gets expelled from his land. It's better than death or forcibly converted. It didn't always end well. But Savior Karm writes his book, and in it, one of the things that's famous about him is he argues with the Ramban and says they're not 13 Ikarim, but they're three. Which, if you read the Ramban carefully, you'll, re- you'll realize that the, you can also subcategorize and categorize the Rambam's 13 principles into three as well. So it's, it's not, I don't, I don't, he's not arguing with him as much as he's saying that you can, you, don't, you can break it down a little finer than you did. 
in this in the Savior Karm, in, in book three, or in part three, he starts going through the Aseris Adibros. He explains why God had to give the Aseris Adibros um, himself, and it couldn't have been done with the rest of the Torah through Moshe. And then he says, oh, and by the way, just once we're on this topic, or part of the topic, the Aseris Adibros are broken down into two different parts. The first five are mitzvot between man and God, and the second part are mitzvot between man and his fellow man, which is something we know. And then he proceeds to demonstrate how that is so. So the first one's pretty easy. Ani Hashem, I am God. Pretty obvious. That's between man and man. He gets to the fifth one, keep it of aim, and listen to what he says. Because again, he has, he's vexed by the same issue that we're troubled with. And that is, why is keep it of aim considered mitzvah in Adam Lamako? Now, Michael wanted to suggest because ultimately he gets back there. But he takes it, a, I think, a step, a step further. After, we, again, he's, he's listing and he's going through the Aseris um, Dibras, delineating how each one fits into the category of between man and God. It is known that when a king builds a city, he spends most of the time in his royal palace. He's not going out to visit the commoners all the time, and therefore they don't necessarily know if he's around. He says that and while the men of one generation who saw the king come into the city, remember that he built the city and freed them from bondage and accepted his sovereignty, those who came after them, having never been slaves, never seen the king enter the city, may rebel and think the city had always been theirs and that they were had, there was no overlord. Again, the analogy is saying is simple. A king builds a city. The first generation always have a tremendous amount of gratitude towards the king. They were slaves. He frees them. He builds them their houses. He paves their roads. What happens? Eventually, the next generation comes along who never met the king. At that point, the king's now you know, receded back into his palace, and he's doing what kings do. I don't know what kings do, but do whatever kings do. And at a certain point, people forget, oh, this was the person who did, you know, who did so much good for us. And therefore, they begin to rebel. So he says as follows, obviously the analogy is, God reveals himself to the Jewish people, he brings them out of Egypt, he, he, he gives them the Torah, he, he does all these things for them, the problem is, eventually, the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren begin to forget. They never encountered God at Har Sinai, they never encountered God at the Yom Sof, they never encountered God through the ten plagues. So what happens? They forget. How then do we remind our kids about this king? How do we remind our kids about God? It's very simple. He says, what do you think it is? That, that's where the parents come in. That's the role of the parents. Parents, yes, they bring the kids into this world, but they don't just bring them into the world, they bring them into the world for a reason, a purpose, and that is to bring them takas kanfei shchina, as part of the Jewish people, and to give them mesorah, and to tell them, by the way, I learned from my father, I learned from his father, I learned from his mother, grandfather, etc., etc., that we were, things didn't just happen, but there was a time when we were in bondage in Egypt. And God came, and our entire nation saw God take us out of Egypt and bring us to and bring us to Harsina and give us the Torah, etc. The role of the parents, therefore, is has you know, augmented from just beyond birthing children, which is a wonderful thing, and we have a lot of our cars to for that. But suddenly now we're looking at them as a link in the Mesorah, a link in a chain in the Mesorah. And if that's true, says the says the Shoch, says the Sefer Karim, why then are we honoring our parents? Not just because they were grateful to them, but because they are the source and the root to our tradition. 
They are a chain and link in the Mesorah, and their job is to help perpetuate that. So by honoring them, by fear of having an awe and reverence for them, we're in fact really having an awe and reverence for the Mesorah, for the tradition, for everything they're teaching us, for their values. Through honoring one's parents and accepting them, having an awe and reverence for them, what we're doing is we're uh, continuing the Kabbalah, the, the, the tradition, the chain of their parents. And then you see, he says, then you see that that will ensure that these slaves aren't going to forget the master, even though it's the next generation and the generation afterwards. And that's why it says, and that's why it's so important and so fundamental, a mitzvah gedola. Mitzvah gedola. It's not just any mitzvah, just do this because it's supposed to remind you of something or supposed to make, in, 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 ingrain in us that, uh, an attitude of positivity or of goodness. Or, no, no, no. This is, this is so fundamental. It's in the Aserat Adivros because this is the source of the Mesorah. This is what's going to allow the Mesorah to continue. And he, interesting, he juxtaposed this with, he goes, that's where the Pesach says, Then he quotes the next Pesach, which we alluded to a minute ago, and in the same verse, he says, also there's a verse that we have an obligation to listen to Chazal, the Chachamim, which seems to be a subcategory of which makes a lot of sense. The verse, when we say Chachamim, not just the rabbi, but as in Chazal, the rabbis, because, again, what we're seeing here is, Kibbutz of Aim is more than just grateful, I'm grateful to you, for bringing me to this world, it's, per, it's you're providing, and you are linking the Mesorah. I thought that was fascinating. I thought that was fascinating. Where are we on time here? Okay. Let's see what I was going to say next. If you start, if you look, if you look, and uh, I think this is also very interesting, that the um, where perhaps the Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Alba, where did he get this from? So. The Rambam, where does the Rambam quote the mitzvah of Kibbutz of Aim? Hilchus Mamrim. Mamrim. What's Hilchus Mamrim? So again, the Rambam was very careful when he categorized the mitzvahs. He did it in a way where everything is, fits very neatly into the category, and it, sometimes we're able to actually learn out greater ideas from where he decided to put that mitzvah. Halal is found in Hilchus Hanukkah. Saying something perhaps about Halal, which we discussed on Thanksgiving, and Hanukkah, the nature of Hanukkah, the nature of Halal, Thanksgiving. Hilchus Kibbutz of Aim is found in Hilchus Mamre. Now, Rabbi Dr. Chaim Salavechik, or Salavechik's son, always says, you can never make, say this, this type of shtickle Torah. You can never say, why did the Ram put this here to tell us a certain reason, unless you could have found a better place for him to put it. But he says as follows Hilchus Mamre is the laws of Bezdin. It opens up talking about the laws of Bezdin, and then, talks, it then stops to talk about the laws of Kibbutz of Aim. And then it goes on to talk about lososor, how you can't add on mitzvos, bal tigra, you can't take away mitzvos, bal tosif, and then it moves on to the idea of zaki mamre, of the rebellious, per, the rebellious sage who doesn't listen to chazal. So smack in the middle of a discussion about authority, the authority of the rabbis, he puts in Hilchus Kibbutz Aim. Where should he have put it in? He can think of a couple places, and he could have put it in Hilchus Talmud Torah, That's next to the covet with respect one has to have for a rabbi, Keep it of aim. The Torah does that. The Torah puts it in Yardaya there. The Shulchan Aruch puts it there. Why would he put it in Hilchus Mamrim? Out of all places, why Hilchus Mamrim? <laughs> so Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Rosenzweig points out, he says again, he says, let me get the exact quote here. 
The unifying theme of Hilchus Mamre is the authority of Torah Shabbat, the oral tradition, and the hierarchy of institutions that preside over it. Bez Din Hagadol governs the entirety of Klal Yisrael. This is the, the body that adjudicates all of the laws of Klal Yisrael. Local Bez Din presides over each community, and the parents preside over the, the atomic mini-communities, the family. Kivit of Aim is the bedrock in which the system of Torah Shabbat Peh is anchored. Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral tradition, ultimately, where is it anchored? It's anchored in the family. It's anchored in seeing what our parents did. It's anchored in seeing what the community does. And when you see that, that gives, that gives it a certain credence that then allows one to then experience it, perhaps, in the base medrash. But really, first, the first encounter, and perhaps what is the strongest encounter, the emotional connection, even, is coming from the family. It's coming from the community, which, again, is why the Raman puts it there as well. And lastly, just a, a couple other, a couple, a couple other uh, sources, we see that there are other places where um, the Gemara says in Kedushin, Tanur Abanan, Nemer Kavad Esavish Vasimechav, Nemer Kavad Esavishem. It says again, honor the parents, honor Hashem. Says the Pasuk Hashava Kasev Kavad Eva Aim Bim Kavad Lamakom. God equates honoring his parents to honoring Him. Why would that be? Again, because if we look at Kibbutz of Aim, it's more than just being grateful, but about recognizing the Mesorah and the tradition. So now we just kind of we brought God into this in a way that's much larger than a command, but it's actually a way in which you get back to God. As I said, we took your idea and developed it further. And if that's true, that brings us back to our question. So why then do we say Kibbutz of Aim is not Ase And the answer is because internally we have a mechanism. There's, there's an internal mechanic to Aseidochalosasei, which we discussed. Could be that you have a positive mitzvah, you do an action versus a negative mitzvah, etc. But once we introduce the idea of Kavut Shemayim, of we bring God's picture that Kibbutz of Aim is not just about honoring one's parents, but it's about honoring a Mesorah in a tradition, what we're doing is removing Kibbutz of Aim from the classical mitzvah's Asei, which has its own, again, dynamic and, and mechanics for when we should plug it into, when a positive command negates or overrules a negative command. And what we're saying is, no, it's a whole different picture. There's a whole different calculus going on here. It's Kavod Shemayim. And it, it almost it sounds foolish. Honor your parents for teaching you a Mesorah that they themselves are not abiding by? doesn't make sense, which is also why the Torah, the Ram disagrees. But the Torah says that if a father or mother is a Russia, they're an evil person, there's no keep it up aim. The Ram disagrees. We're going to discuss, we'll discuss this more over the units. It's a big discussion comes up in contemporary posts, but even before that, you have, so you have an abusive parent. Is there keeping up aim with them? I don't want to touch on it now, but the Torah is saying there's no keep of aim for our Russia. Why would that be? Perhaps the reason, again, is because it's not about just the Akar you brought me to this world, but it's about you brought me to this world and you introduced me to the Mesorah. You introduced me to this, to, to the, you, 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 you can, you're, you're the chain, and now I can latch onto you and myself become a chain in the Mesorah. Which brings us to the last piece. And this is how Rosenzweig ends his article. Before I get there, any questions, thoughts, comments? Yeah, maybe regarding that, like why you wouldn't have to honor your parents if they're a Russia, for example. It's like they're commanded to teach you, like Vishnantam Lavanecha. So if they're not part, you know, being part of the process in that, you know. You're making it very technical, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's another element to this. I didn't want to get into it now. I'll say it afterwards. I don't think those want to go. So Rosenzweig says as follows, we'll read his words inside. Grounded in partnership with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Kibbut of the Aim is vital, axiologically central, and exceedingly potent. I said, you have to read it like three or four times. It is with this partnership that Kibbut of the Aim integrates the worlds of Ben Adam Lamakom and Ben Adam Lachavero. Think about it for a moment. We're taking what's this 
a very bin Adam Lechaveru, you would think it was the quintessential bin Adam Lechaveru, the relationship we had, the, one of our closest relationships between man and man, and we're, 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 we're rising it, integrating with bin Adam Lechaveru, infusing the world of the former into the latter. And in this sense, the key, that Kibbut of Aim serves as the critical transition between the first and last five Divro. It's also a very interesting idea. That where did he put it on that list? It's, the, it's, that, it's like the uh, middle one. It's the bridge going from Bin Al Makom to Bin Al Machavero. Yeah, you have a question? No, I'm, yeah. I'm agreeing. You're agreeing. Excellent. He said, The Gemara and Kedushin beautifully captures this partnership. When God first introduced Esaras to Divros, and he says, and, he, and his voice reverberates throughout the whole world, not just to the Jewish people, and says, I am the God. There should be no other God. And you should not have false idols. What did everyone say? Omer Umas Olam, so the world says, Lechavratzmahu Dorish. Oh, this, is a, this God is no different than any other God. God just cares about his own honor, his own respect. So what is this, what's he commanding? Do things for me. Do things for me. He's like every other God in the pantheon of gods. All he does is cares about himself. They listened a little longer than they heard God say, not only you should honor me and revere me and don't make another God and don't swear falsely and the Shabbos, etc., but also honor one's parents and one's, and one's, and one's, parents, one's mother and one's father. They retracted. They recanted on what they said initially. They recanted and they said, Go. I, I might have got this cut off. I see your short sheet over here. I see your short sheet. Yeah. They recanted what they said. And they said it's not true. Meaning to say as follows. This is also very interesting. Interesting. In isolated Anochi, when God simply said, I am God. A command. A slogan. Abstract, removed, and unapproachable. Was hardly intelligible. God just saying... Anochi, I am God. I'm the only God. It's abstract. It's unintelligible. It's very hard to relate to almost, which is why everyone's like, yeah, he's just doing it for himself. He's one of those gods. But partnered with Kibbutz of Aim, once we introduce suddenly, not just about, just only about God, but taking that bridge to be an Adun Lechaveru as well, and showing that it's, in, it's an integrated whole, and Anochi rarefied in the love of a parent, and Anochi imminent in the in the foundation of family life, and a nochi that radiates throughout a Jewish home is something else entirely. What we're doing as well is saying, taking these abstract, taking this, just these mitzvahs between man and God, and saying, keep it up at aim as well. That not only are we going to have mitzvahs between man and God, we're going to have this bridge now. It's also going to bring it into the Bin Amlachavir, the way in which you interact with your fellow human being, with your parents, that becomes a bridge also to interact, interact with God. Suddenly we gave context and color and an ability to, to understand where the Nochi is coming as well. And a recognition that our parents are so much more than just the biological way in which we enter this world, but they become this link in the Mesorah, a link in the chain, and the reason why it's a mitzvah gadolah is because what we're doing is we're actually saying, not only am I grateful to you, but I'm recognizing who you are, what you stand for, and ultimately how I too will one day play a role in this great chain, the Mesorah. Okay, so back to the script. Now it's 